Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Marianne Dunlap, nurse practitioner at Providence Medical Group in Oregon. And today we're answering your questions about perimenopause. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc for a chance to hear your questions on our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. Always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming our expert today, Mary Ann Dunlap. Hello. Thanks for joining us again. You are welcome. Well, the topic of the day is perimenopause. What is it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so perimenopause is when our hormones, as women, start to drop off, and we develop some symptoms associated with that. And there can be a, a broad range of what people may experience from absolutely nothing. I mean, some people go through it pretty easy, uh, up to multiple different mm -hmm. things that can really affect you in your life. Sure. What, what are those symptoms? So a lot of times they <laughs> revolve around heat control so oh, we get <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i can say that and people will go uh-huh uh -huh. so hot flashes is a common sure. thing that people will start to get and that's where um you just suddenly just de develop a sense of heat mm -hmm. and then you may sweat and um, it feels a little uncomfortable sometimes the heart can race a little bit with oh, that okay. just you know it, it just kind of all goes together and it comes and goes yeah it, they come and goes some people have them you know multiple times a day some people might have them once a week once oh, wow. a month you know um, they usually start a little bit slower and then kind of ramp up if people are going to develop that they usually kind of ramp up over time as the estrogen levels are dropping and um, you know the whole mechanism behind why that happens is not clearly understood and probably is a little bit out of the scope of this as well but it, it's it's a very common symptom other things people can develop would be um, sometimes anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. agitation, PMS symptoms can get worse, irregular bleeding is excessively common. Mm -hmm. So you oftentimes just have no clue when you're going to have your period. It just it may or multiple be times a month. Yeah, so it may be closer together for some oh, women, or ridiculous. it may be extended farther apart. But just to be clear, that you know the definition of menopause. So when you actually have hit. I guess I should say perimenopause is the period of time before menopause. Mm -hmm. um, when you hit menopause, it's really going without a period naturally for um, a year. Oh, so 12 year. months. Okay. Uh -huh. um, and that, in, 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 meaning you're not manipulating your system with hormones or things like mm -hmm. that for any other reason. You just naturally are not having a period for a year. Sometimes it's difficult to know that, though, because some people are on hormones through the perimenopause period. And so a lot of times we can do some testing to kind of figure out where you're at or just, you know, take you off of the hormones for a period of time and see what happens. The mood swings, though. I think that's mm -hmm. where we hear a lot of people, right, is the mood swings. Like I go for, I think it was, who was it? It was uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. She said she, she did a whole interview at age 46. She said, I started going through perimenopause. And she mm -hmm. said, I had sweating and mood swings. But she said the thing that was the most crazy to her is that she would just be furious for no reason. She'd mm -hmm. be one minute perfectly fine and then the mm -hmm. next furious. And she said, menopause and perimenopause gets a bad rap and we need to rebrand it. Right? And she said, we need to talk about it. And I think that's exactly what it is. I had never heard of um, perimenopause. I just had heard of menopause. I didn't know mm -hmm. that you had this time mm -hmm. period beforehand. So what's, what is that time period? So it can be variable. So just like I said, you know, some people go smooth, you know, sail through this smoothly without m any problems. The same sort of thing. We don't like those people. Yeah, <laughs> these lucky people. We want to be happy for them, but well, we're okay. Not. <laughs> so I'll get, tell you a little story. I asked my mom, you know, because I was trying to figure out when I might be experiencing certain yeah. things, or I was having some symptoms. I'm like, okay, is this perimenopause? And so I said to my mom, when did you go through menopause? Okay, and this is when she was probably. Hmm, 70? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I said, when did you go through menopause? So I was trying to sort of gauge, you know, because yeah. family history can make a difference. And she said, 
did I go through menopause? And I go, oh, well, did no. you stop having a period? Yeah. <laughs> she said, yeah. And I'm like, when was that? She's, oh, I don't even remember. I said, did you have any symptoms? No way. No. Well, that bodes well for you though, right? Oh, no. No. Oh, no but it could have. It could have genetically I mean, I, well. I, could, I was hoping, but yeah. no. But, oh. but anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So some people really do get go through really smoothly and don't have any problems. Yeah. Um, um, but 40... 445 mm-hmm. through about menopause time which would generally be 50 to 53 oh, wow. 54 okay. that's when most i mean that's a big area of time but people can have it as early as their late 30s early you know 40 yeah. and then you know it really is variable when people will actually hit that menopause you know some people will have menopause in their late 40s uh, through the middle to later 50s even so i'm early 40s i'm in the middle of it and you mentioned yeah. hot flashes which yeah. i don't necessarily have hot flashes i only have night sweats oh, which huh? i had also never heard and, of and i kind of lumped those in some sort of a category mm-hmm. so i didn't never happens that. to me during the day only at night yeah, so that's another really common symptom is night sweats. Um, and again, same sort of mechanism. It you know it's really when you're having sweats that aren't related to how many blankets you have on, right, right. how hot the ambient heat is. It doesn't you matter just, it just what happens. city I'm in. I could mm-hmm. be Dallas at yeah, yeah. 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. I could be Portland mm-hmm. at 40. Same thing. Yeah, it's and, right. And so again, um, you know, it's it's just it is a very common symptom. It, it is. Sucks. Yeah, and I, the other one I didn't mention is. Um, atrophy of the vaginal tissues can also be a problem so okay, I don't even know what that is but it sounds horrible uh, right no so let me say dryness of the skin in oh. the uh, vagina vulva area can create discomfort during intercourse and things like that so you can it can and then more frequent potentially we bladder infections we talked about that in another episode yeah about bladder, bladder infections yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah so this is a really common reason for increased bladder infections and a serious thing painful sex Oh. big issue Ooh. big issue that does not for women as they get no and and so that's something that like Gwyneth Paltrow was saying I think that's something we need to talk about yeah. you know well it's funny because I said something recently in a in a in a meeting about being perimenopausal mm-hmm. and every man in the room would not make eye contact with me and I was like are you kidding me this is perfectly normal it's right. not like I'm controlling it it's not like I have a choice on the matter yes but it is it's almost taboo to talk about it it is I think it's like having your period like right. starting, oh God, starting your period we talk well, about our period and, that, and that's the thing too like if you're in a room with a bunch of men and you, you know I, I was saying oh my god my daughter started her period you know they would all oh geez you know nobody make eye contact and it's it's tough I I think there are certain things that do happen to everybody and it there's just topics that people you need to get more and more comfortable with so it's just not doesn't seem weird because it's just nature it's natural and like I said it's not like we're choosing to do it Mm -hmm. this is happening and I think more importantly with perimenopause you know these same men I mean these are this is this is their wives their girlfriends their daughters you know that they're dealing with who Mm -hmm. are dealing with this thing that's serious and I would have to agree with you I don't think there's near and Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't think there's nearly the amount of research on it that there needs to be because I personally also have gone through this experience and looked at a lot of different information to try to find ways to help my symptoms. Mm-hmm. And there was just such a lack of really good information. And I think one of the major areas that there's a big problem is in information around hormone replacement therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. Because of the fact that it's still remaining so controversial based on some stuff that happened several years ago with a study that was done. And there, you know, and, and people are still kind of holding on to some of that old school stuff stuff and we probably need to move on you know from from that and and look at newer information and newer data about that because women are suffering what is what is the hormone replacement therapy though and does well, that, is that working for perimenopausal or is that just in the menopause phase? Okay, so I want to be really careful about this because there are some risks to taking hormones. You know, whether we take them for birth control or whether mm-hmm. we take them for mm-hmm. replacement therapy in perimenopause and menopause, there are some risks. So definitely this is a topic that needs to be addressed very closely with your provider and you. I will say, though, that um, the information that was 
uh, was found in the, uh, I think it was Women's Health Initiative study. I can't remember how many years ago, maybe 10 around that time. They did find that overall, we should not be using uh, hormones necessarily for, let's say, cardiovascular health in women who are older. But there were some limitations to that study. And so it, it was really unclear as to what group of women are at highest risk versus mm-hmm. ones that may not be as at high as higher risk? So, for instance, um, there's more information lately that taking um, some sort of hormone replacement, and that may be could be something like a birth control pill, mm-hmm. or it could be formulated more specifically for you by a compounding pharmacy. Um, or it could be the hormone replacement therapy, which is lower than a birth control mm-hmm. pill in the amount of hormone that you get. So there's lots of different methods that you could do it, but there's some evidence that it's, it is quite safe if done right through perimenopause into menopause and okay. for a period of time after menopause. Okay. So I, I think most people are looking at about five years into menopause that is probably pretty safe. Again, there are some controversial things like risk of breast cancer, mm-hmm. um, risk of what we call thromboembolic events. So that would be like blood clots clots. Mm -hmm. and then potential heart related issues. But again, there's also some evidence about the potential for some reduced colorectal cancers um, and potentially some cardiovascular benefit again in women who take it straight through perimenopause, right? So again, controversial topic definitely needs to be discussed with your healthcare provider. Um, If you don't find that you feel like your doctor is giving you satisfactory information, you can try to step up to a specialist that Mm -hmm. might have more information, a gynecologist. Got it. Because a lot of us really do get kind of stuck in our ways. I I mean, you know, we kind of hear something and we never want to err on the side of hurting somebody. So we might stick with that information that we know and not branch out to new information, whereas like a gynecologist may have the latest, greatest stuff. That makes sense. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, you mentioned so many things that I want to dig yeah, into. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's good. But you talked a little bit about birth control too. And mm-hmm. I, I find myself wondering, and this is you know my, my own study of like 30 or 40 closest friends, but mm-hmm. most of us who were on birth control for a very large portion of our life, say 15, 20 years, are finding that we're going into perimenopause a lot earlier than our moms and our aunties mm-hmm. did. I don't know, have you seen any research on that? It does birth control impact the age at which you start? I don't know. Okay. I actually don't. I don't have um, any. I don't have any good information on that that I can that I can share with you. Sure. It's possible, but I haven't. I, and I also haven't heard anything. Sure. You know, that, I'm going to start my out. own study. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's interesting. Okay. And I suppose you could probably find some information on that. There probably yeah. is. I don't think there's probably a high association with it. Um, and in fact, birth control pills sometimes, you know, keep you having your period longer, but you're still having some symptoms in between. But yeah. if you think about it, when you're taking birth control, it normalizes your hormones a little bit. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's going to mask a little bit of that perimenopause right. symptomology. That so yeah. sometimes, again, people will take it. And that's, like, for instance, what I did. I ended up starting uh, some hormones to try to help with symptoms. And it was, for me, in my circumstances with my healthcare mm-hmm. provider, I think it was a, a good choice for me. Sure. Um, it's not always the choice for everybody. And how do you actually know if you're in perimenopause? Do you have to go get a diagnosis? Do you self-diagnose? It's Well, you could probably self-diagnose. I mean, but I have. Nobody's told me I have it. I've just self-diagnosed myself because yeah, of the Yeah, it's pretty sweats. easy. I mean, you know, and there really isn't any great testing. I mean, there are some hormone tests you could do, but there's really, um, even those may show normal. In fact, until you're in menopause, mm-hmm. uh, most of them will. And a lot of people don't do those. 
uh, hormone tests uh, because they're just not that valuable. It's really based on your symptoms. Mm -hmm. And there are some symptom checklists you can get for perimenopause and it can give you a good idea. Is this perimenopause? It sure looks like it. I looked online and I was like, okay, so I've got night sweats. I've got like irregular, like I used to be normal and now it's like it could be three days it could be eight days it could be every 20 days it could be every 30 i don't know yeah that's really common. common so so right that's super super common and again i think that um you know, there's a lot of natural things and, you know, we can, we can go into that later, but there's natural things that we can do to help with perimenopausal Mm -hmm. symptoms. Um, you know, again, hormones can sometimes be helpful for a select group of people, uh, you know, based on their preferences and the, you know, the safety of that for them as an individual. So, you know, there's a lot of different treatment options for sure. Well, can we talk about some of those options? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we already talked a little bit about hormones. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think that one is, again, one that you really have to to delve in with a professional on and and talk about your risks personally um, and whether it's worth it to you, something that you want to do. But it really can help to normalize. When you normalize those hormones, a lot of the symptoms that you're having problems with that are related to a drop in the Mm -hmm. estrogen go away. So that's kind of nice, too. So not, you know, when we're talking about hormones, we're not always talking about just, um, you know, a lot of times we're talking about trying to um, prevent heart disease or colorectal cancer. That's not what we're really talking about. The major reason to, to consider a hormone in perimenopause or menopause is to live a happy, productive healthy life. I mean, it's really symptom control, to be quite honest with you. Um, The other things are kind of minor and trivial compared to necessarily the, the, the benefit you get personally from it. Um, Other things, exercise Mm -hmm. is huge. Um, Keeping up exercise will help with the mental stuff. Um, There, you can also consider some um, antidepressant medications if you're having like um, Gwyneth Paltrow said, you know, with all this um, crazy uh, moods. Right. So Mm -hmm. you can almost move from PMS to PMDD, which is uh, 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 premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So that's right. that's a little more severe mm-hmm. type of PMS. And so, you know, that gets worse as, as men, in perimenopause for sure. some folks. And so sometimes those can, those things can be helpful. For hot flashes, um, they say uh, meditation and breathing mm-hmm. can be really helpful to breathe through those. And then other people have just their little anecdotal things like sticking your hands in cold water, you know, to try to stop sure. a hot flash and things like that. But breathing through them tends to be quite helpful for people. Oh, that's nice. And just some general Almost like breathing, breathing through t- an anxiety attack. Yeah. 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 And it's just trying to kind of let it wear itself down and then things like black cohosh there are some Mm -hmm. um, magnesium there's some supplements that have been shown to be slightly helpful Chinese herbs there's some uh, Chinese herbalists that think they have good concoctions and there's probably some minor evidence that they they might have some stuff that that would work for hot flashes again usually the more light lightweight kind of Mm -hmm. hot flashes not the heavy duty ones hormones are generally the things that help with those the most well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation on perimenopause. I'll try to pass the night away with somebody new, but they don't have a shower, and I compare them to you. It's too late, too late. Baby, I know I'll never find you again, find you again. Baby, baby, I walk in the night, looking for you. Mine. 
today with guest Marianne Dunlap and we're talking about perimenopause um you know I think we've talked a lot about the different kind of um symptoms or whatever but what actually is it you talked a little bit about it but is it really just that drop in estrogen pretty much that's just it yeah uh, estrogen you know affects a lot of different things in like for instance serotonin a lot of times your serotonin levels mm-hmm. will follow estrogen levels and so it's not just estrogen estrogen right. controls a lot of different things within the body and so that's where the problem comes in right. it, ha- it it affects the health of our again our tissues you know again keeping uh, dry, vaginal dryness away things like that um, so estrogen plays a big role in women's lives and as it starts to drop down you start to notice some effects some women do again I don't want to put it on all women right, because right. some people do get through this really easily I have several people in my family who said kind of like your yeah. mom like I don't know did maybe it happen? I did I just haven't had a period <laughs> I really in 10 have years boss. yeah it must be nice <laughs> well we talked some some of the symptoms that we talked about but one of the questions we got was um does perimenopause give me hair loss low libido stiff joints lack of ability to sleep it sounds like there's a lot of other things women are lumping in there yeah so I would say um it's not uncommon lack of ability to sleep for sure so sleeping problems is even okay you can have the hot flashes or the night night sweats but you can also just have trouble with just sleeping like people just wake up more frequently and I don't know again the mechanism of that Uh, you know maybe going along with anxiety you know the kind of more sensations of anxiety and depression and things like that but people do sleep poorly it's a common um uh, symptom of perimenopause is poor sleep um and again not always just related to having the sweats at night um uh, what are the things joint joint stiffness joint stiffness and low libido uh low libido can certainly happen um uh, joint stiffness is probably just primarily Related a little more to aging, although I do believe that estrogen can have some effect on your joints and joint lubrication and that sort of thing. So there's probably some of that. I wouldn't say that it's a major symptom. It's that one's probably more just related to osteoarthritis and general aging, but there's probably some uh, some you know tie in a little bit of tie in there. Why do we start to lose our estrogen? What what causes that? I mean, why do we? It's just tied to our age, right? It's it's kind of. 
seemingly, seemingly sort of programmed in our system as to when we start to lose collagen and lose, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's the aging process. It's just how things happen, you know, um, and, and it varies from person to person. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. And I, and again, it's, it's, it's hard to say exactly why, you know, why and when it happens and why do some people get it earlier and later. It's kind of why do people start their periods earlier and later. It's just kind of what their body's programmed to. Do genetics play a bigger role in like when a woman goes into it and how she handles it? Or is it really more just based on your own body? You know, I don't know the exact answer. I don't have a study that would, would say to me I'd, in front of me or, or that I looked at for that. Um, I, genetics can play some role in it. Um, I think we do see similar similar patterns in, in some women's families. But, for instance, in mine, it's not looking, Clearly. <laughs> not looking like really that. You really had it's a like, good shot there, yeah. though, Marianne. Uh, right. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's probably some component of that. Um, how strong it is, I don't know for sure. But I'm sure there is some. But I think a lot of it is our own bodies. And estrogen is a lot dependent on things like your weight right. and that sort of thing. Because mm -hmm. our bodies can produce extra estrogen based on how much um, body fat content we have. Right. And that's not always a good thing. Right. Uh, so that, you know, different types of estrogen that we produce ourselves from, like, for instance, body fat is not always a fantastic thing because it can be counterproductive. Well, I've been wondering because I started perimenopause. Like I said, I'm self-diagnosed. So I'm not saying I am, <laughs> but, you know, in my mind I am. But very early in 40s. But it also uh -huh. coincided with losing a lot of weight. And so I mm -hmm. kind of tried to figure out if it was really my hormones were just kind of out of whack in general because I did not have a period for months on end at my highest weight level. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wondered if, if dramatic weight loss or dramatic increase can impact either when you go in or the symptoms of it? I think that, um, you know, again, because, uh, you know, having a higher body fat percentage can create different uh, estrogen. There's different types of estrogen. It can create um, estrogen, weaker estrogens, but added together, it can it can wreak some havoc on your body. And then you can end up in a situation where you do have, you know, no periods. There's commonly uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome can be associated with having extra weight mm -hmm. and different and uh, disrupted hormone levels. When you alter that and change that, it will likely change how you're feeling. And it maybe could be positive in some regards and then potentially negative in other regards, and, you know, where it could kind of throw you off because you're losing some extra estrogen that you, uh, right. that you had. So again, endocrine is really tough because, <laughs> because, you know, everybody's hormones are different and then how we respond to them are so different. Sure. So there's not a lot of really great data around all of this, this type of stuff. So it's a, it's a tough topic, I will say. And everybody, people respond very differently based on who they are. I do think that the research is really important because I feel like there's a lot out there about menopause itself. But when you talk about perimenopause, it isn't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's that women are, they don't want to talk about how early they're starting. They don't want to talk about all of the nasty symptoms that mm -hmm. happen with it. I mean, why is there less research about pre-menopause than there is about menopause? Boy, I, that's a tough one. I mean, I think it, you know, maybe it wasn't recognized necessarily, maybe because a lot of the things that women are going through in life at that stage are stressful, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, depending on the woman, but, you know, raising children, uh, dealing with marriages, dealing with career. So maybe women thought it was stress. Could Do you be, know what yeah, I mean? I don't yeah. know. Again, I'm just kind of talking. Guessing, you, know, sure. it, you know, but I think that, um, you know, and we do know that a lot of focus has been on men's issues uh, back in past. I mean, I think mm -hmm. we're definitely getting better, but there was a lot of focus on cardiovascular disease in men mm -hmm. and, you know, and things like that, that really got a lot of focus. And so I think um, perimenopause, again, wasn't really recognized. Um, and then once it's been more recognized, has it been a focus because it's a difficult thing to study yeah, and it's so true. variable? I mean, I don't know, you know, do, do, are people concerned that they're not going to be able to come up with a, a good treatment? I mean, right. a lot of times people will stop, you know, um, 
investigating something if they come up with the, with the idea that, well, no matter what we do, I'm, yeah, I'm concerned that we're not going to develop it. Right. Yeah. So maybe we better focus on something else. Focus on something so we I can impact. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But I do, I do believe that we could have much more impact on this. And Absolutely. so hopefully it continues to grow now that we're recognizing, I think, more. I do. I do think we should focus a little bit more on it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Well, we have a lot of questions coming in. Um, what exercises help most during perimenopause? Oh, I think both strength training and cardiovascular type exercises, uh, flexibility exercises. Uh, so you would be great to do, uh, you know, I mean, I think a wide variety. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much anything. You know, you could do uh, high intensity interval training, uh, cardiovascular, straight uh, cardiovascular strength training, yoga. I mean, oh, yeah. Pilates, all, I mean, any one of those, all those things, do them all. Exercise in general, probably a good <laughs> do idea. Do it all. I mean, really, I don't think you can go too wrong. They're all going to be helpful. And probably, you know, to a certain degree, the more the better. You know, trying to exercise, do something at least once a day. And that doesn't mean aggressive exercise. It could be a 30-minute walk. Sure. It could be a yoga class. You yeah. know, you don't have to get out there and do the hard stuff every single day. But if you can move your body or do something for it every day, that's great. I like it. Well, what about diet? It, this question says, is there a certain diet that helps support perimenopause? I think that um, lower sugar, okay. you know, things, again, inflammatory things, uh, lower processed foods. It's going to be your general good diet, okay? Right, yeah. So uh, the other thing is focusing a little bit more on healthy oils and fats um, for lubrication purposes and that sort of thing. So um, fish, avocado, nuts, um, those sorts of things are really uh, good. Um uh, and some people, you know, like to take the omega-3 mm -hmm. fish oil. Um, that stuff is, is I think, a, a really, a Mediterranean diet is probably a really great diet sure. for perimenopause. Again, it's low in processed foods, low in sugar, uh, high in healthy fats. So that sounds like it'd be kind of ideal in my book. It sounds like it'd be ideal in general, no yeah. matter how old you are, right? <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good cardiovascular one as well. Well, you mentioned supplements and vitamins a couple mm -hmm. of times. What about that? Is there something we should be taking as women as we think we're getting into that age group? Mm -hmm. So it's probably, I mean, you know, I wouldn't invest in anything terribly expensive, but if you, if particularly if you don't really think you eat a really, really well-rounded diet, um, maybe just a general multivitamin might not be bad. Um, some people think that magnesium helps with sleep. Mm. Um, uh, related issues and and also constipation if there's if that comes up as an issue oh my god um, is that another symptom like it could something? be oh, i mean there's <laughs> women uh, right <laughs> and then um let's see and then a variety of other uh, supplements that i would generally recommend using under the um with, with say like i said a, a, an herbalist a chinese a uh, chinese right, yeah. chinese herbalist acu or um well acupuncture is another good one but that yeah. was not where i was going with that yet um naturopathic and or your doctor who knows uh, a fair amount about alternative medicines again you want to make sure that things you use are generally safe like any supplement sure. would be generally safe and and agreeable to other medicines you take and that sort right, of thing right. people so, don't think about that when they think about their medications, no. you think about medication to medication interaction, but not necessarily a supplement. Yeah, because people, you know, they, they see it on the counter and they think, well, this must be safe if they're just selling it in the drugstore right, and I can right. just get it over the counter. And and mostly they are, but sometimes you can go a little wild and or and or just waste your money. That's True, the other thing. We don't want to want to do that either. Everybody claims that they can cure everything with a yeah, supplement. So again, yeah. black cohosh has had some limited benefit with, with hot flashes, more mild ones particularly, but there is some evidence about that particularly. Again, a lot of people will like to use fish oil. And then... Um, Topically, vitamin E used on just general on the vaginal tissues can help to keep oh, them okay. moisturized. So a lot of people will use vitamin E, just a little capsule or, or oil. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and so that can be helpful as well. Nice. 
So we would just, I was going to say, you know, other complementary and alternative medicine treatments might be acupuncture for hot flashes, sleep stuff, anxiety, mood swings. Really it. helpful. Um, a lot of people find that really helpful. What about uh, acupressure? Because like, I like acupressure. Acupuncture yeah. still scares me a little bit. Oh, really? But yeah. I don't huh. know. I'm an acupuncture fan. Um, acupressure is probably good as well. Yeah, I think that um, it, it has its benefits as well. Hmm. Interesting. Again, I think just trying to find somebody who kind of knows their stuff is really helpful. I think massage, you know, there's benefits oh, of yeah. touch and that sort of thing. If you're not, you know, getting a lot of that in your home, you know, right. you want to have human interaction and touch. And the massage is actually a nice way to have that. You don't have to have touch with somebody who's like an intimate partner. Right. It's just having human touch is is also a great thing um, just to generally balance your, your mood, your, you know, just how you're feeling, that sort of thing. So massage is always a great idea as well. Smart. Yeah. Very smart. Well, this question says, I'm having a hard time concentrating at work, and I think I'm paramonopausal. Are they connected? Can be. Uh huh. Again, it just all goes along with that whole anxiety, depression, mood swing sure. situation. Um, it, focus and concentration can be affected. Sure. Just like your ability to like your coworkers or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> or them to like you. Exactly, right? <laughs> um, what about food? This says, I think that my um, flavor for food and drink has been altered during my perimenopause. Is that correct? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's one that I was having a hard time finding any, any real information on that. I suppose it could be true. I don't know that it's a, a common symptom i've never seen it in the research yeah you know. I, I i had a hard time finding anything really about that but you know again i never say never that's one of the things sure. i love about uh, you know being with my patients is i'll say i'm having this and it, they and this other doctor i went to said that cannot be happening i'm like listen <laughs> the minute you say never right that's exactly <laughs> that's when it'll happen <laughs> so i never say never sure. so that's what i would say about that is there's probably some people yeah. who do have some of that it could be related to a lot of different things. Like if we know the serotonin levels are changing and, right. you know, I mean, we know that affects your brain. So who knows? Who knows? Who yeah. the heck knows? <laughs> what about digestive issues? Do people typically have any digestive they issues? They can. Again, they can, you know, uh, um, can have a little of constipation, apparently. diarrhea. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can just throw everything off a little bit. A lot of serotonin, again, if we're talking about estrogen and serotonin sort of being linked in a little bit of, you know, sure. when estrogen drops, serotonin can drop. Um, you know, serotonin is a lot in the intestinal tract. So, it's, it, you know, we make uh, it a lot in our gut. Okay. <laughs> and so. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a there's some connection there, for sure. What about weight maintenance? Because we talked about oh. how weight loss and weight gain, but does it become harder to lose yes, weight? Yes, oh. absolutely. So that's actually one of the one of the first symptoms is as well as you know hot flashes, mood swings, uh, period dysregulation. You know, weight difficulty losing weight and weight maintenance. So people will you know people can just generally start gaining a couple of pounds per year if they do nothing. You know, if Why they do, you do that in a weekend. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> but if they generally change nothing, right. they change nothing changes with their diet, nothing changes with um, their exercise plan. They're kind of going along the same, and they'll start to gain weight with if, if they don't make any changes. So it's almost as if you have to just naturally start to bump up exercise, lower down Eat calories less, a little yeah. bit. It doesn't have to be a ton because if we're talking about a couple of pounds per year that you that can gain. A while to get to, yeah. yeah, it does. But it 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 means though that once you start recognizing that, you have to make a plan sure. to deal with it and, and and the other thing is it tends to like to s sit on the midsection in the belly right yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. so again you know and that it can you know that kind of weight can increase risk of cardiovascular Heart disease risk, right? and stuff yeah and so it's i think it's something to be aware of and be and again i know it sounds so it's like you know so negative but if if we're aware and we can start to focus on it early before it gets out of control sure. i think that's really important well, I was just going to say, everything sounds really negative. There mm. has to be positive. But I'm thinking that positive is no more periods, right? Right. I mean, and, you know, if, if you can get through the fact of um, 
you know, intimacy after menopause can be great because, you know, you don't worry about pregnancy as much. You don't have to be taking necessarily hormones for birth control, that sort of thing. Plus, a lot of times people are become empty nesters at that point. So you can rejuvenate your relationship as long as we can make sure that we keep your vaginal health good. So, I mean, I think there are some, you know, around menopause, it's a really great time. A lot of women and and even men uh, say their 50s and 60s are some of the best years of their life. Um, When they look back, you know, they say those were probably the best years that I had. And so there's a lot of things that are to look forward to, I think, you know, uh, positively, but we just have to make sure we maintain, like again, weight maintenance, Mm -hmm. your your mental health maintenance, um, vaginal health maintenance, so that you can enjoy that time when it, you know, when you finally get through this and and kind of to that point that you can really enjoy it. Well, I like that we're ending on a positive note and I'm going to remind everybody, this is perfectly normal. It happens to everybody. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to talk about it to your doctor, but even the people around you, right? Like I've told people, Hey, you might be moody, right? Because of paramount, like just talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you, Marianne, for joining us today and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks, guys.